by acknowledging that there are things in, his li- in our life that he's calling us to lay down and surrender to you. We ask you to strengthen us inside. Strengthen us in our will, strengthen us in our determination, but more than that, for the Holy Spirit to lead us into this laying down what we need to lay down. And help us to see that on the other side of this act of surrender is the freedom and the victory that we sang about earlier this morning. Strengthen us and help us to do this, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Pastor Chris and Jennifer and their family are away for a couple days, getting some rest, and he's asked me to fill in for him today. We want to do something. Yesterday was our nation celebrated Veterans Day, and we want to honor our veterans this morning. Veterans Day is a day when, as a nation, we honor those who have given of their time, their life, sacrificed their plans in order to serve our nation, serve you and me in the preserving of the peace of here and around the world. Memorial Day is a day when we recognize those that have paid the supreme price, but today we recognize those who have served in our armed forces. So if you have served, if you're a veteran, we want you to stand this morning. We're going to do something special for you. Don't be shy. I'm going to applaud you. Stay standing, because now I'm go, I'm gonna, we're going to do something we haven't done before. I'm going to ask you if you come forward, because we want to give you something this morning that honors you. Mac, our brother that serves in so many areas, he's a veteran. He has had this idea, gift he wanted to give you. Mac, would you come forward? We're going to ask the pastors to come forward. Just stand right up here. Stand facing the congregation. Come on, gentlemen. going to give you some flags. Anybody else? Oh, here and other. Now they're coming. (laughs) Now that you're going to get a present, you come up, huh? (laughs) Thank you.
you hear me all right? Am I on? Okay, there we go. With all of the challenges that this nation has, which are so obvious now, we're still the greatest nation in the world. We're the nation where people are trying to get in not get out. But we must never forget what's made this nation great is our nation's commitment to the God that's created us and founded us. And it's to him that we owe all the praise and the glory and the honor for what this nation has been able to do. This nation has sent its sons and daughters onto foreign shores and spilled their blood there to save and rescue those that were under oppression. And then we went and we paid to restore our enemy that we had defeated. And that's very much the pattern that God has done for us. He sent his son to this foreign shore to shed his blood to save and redeem us. And then those that were his enemies that he saved and redeemed, he then gave the greatest gift of all. He gave the gift of sonship and the gift of heaven that we all have to look forward to. Praise God. Thank you, those of you that have served. One other thing I want to just highlight, because I, I don't get many chances to do this now. Uh, Pastor Chris announced several weeks ago that we've begun a building fund to help not add extra building to the building, but to bring it up to, uh, to, 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 bring it up to standards because this building has been here since 1986 originally, and then we've had additions put on it, and it's getting, it's wearing down. And as I was praying about this the other day, with the book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai came to me, because Haggai, God spoke through the prophet Haggai, because what was happening is the people, God says, you're building your house. You're taking care of your house. You're providing for your house, while my house is left in need. And he said, as a result, it's as if your purses have holes in them. So you earn money, and it seems to drain out before you can ever go and buy anything. And as I was reading over that and meditating on it, it sounded a lot like inflation. It sounded like when you go to the gas station and go to fill it up, and you look at what it costs today as opposed to what it cost last month or last week, or you go to the grocery store and find out milk now costs you, yes, last week's salary. It's, it's, and now, the protection against that is operating under God's system of finances. So I want to encourage you to do something. What my wife and I have done is we've, we've prayed together, and we've made a pledge. We felt God has given us a figure to give during this time from now until the end of this campaign, which is next September. And God has given both of us separately a figure that stretches us, but that's what God is like. But I found when we do this, I've done this with churches, other church that I pastored, God provides when you make that commitment to put his kingdom and his play work first. And so the greatest protection against the greatest protection against inflation and the difficult financial times we are is to do just what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you put God's for God first, and I've got 45 years of testimony to prove it. God always will take care of you and provide for you. So I would encourage you as couples, I would encourage you to just ask God what he would have you give and be open for him to stretch you because when God stretches you in order to provide that, he's got to provide that for you and he's got to create the increase. Amen? 
Oh, we can do better than that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Welcome those of you that are watching online. We're so glad that you're with us today, and I'm glad that I have this opportunity. So, <clears throat> there's been something on my heart that because there's a little secret, at least with me, whatever I preach to you is what God's been dealing with me about. So that gives you an insight. And that means I'm familiar with the subject and it's real to me. But I want to talk to you today about a message which actually, it's a little different, was the very first message I ever preached here. It was on a Wednesday night in October of 1994. And, uh, and, and God was preaching this back to me, a little different focus to it. But to do it, I want to start with a, a commercial that was popular a number of years ago by a, a stockbroker's firm, E.F. Hutton. And there's a, there's a tagline to this that's important. So we're going to show, the, show this commercial just to kind of get us in the mood this morning. So if you'd run that commercial. As I've been saying, that's only my broker's opinion. What does your broker think? My broker is E.F. Hutton. Mm-hmm. And E.F. Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And that's the tagline. What a great line. Because what it's telling them, what it's telling us, is that E.F. Hutton is, is a brokerage firm that has advice we ought to listen to. And of course, here in a wedding, they're interrupting the very focus of the wedding to turn because they want to hear. We're going to talk this morning about something Jesus said, which we'll get into. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. If they should be so tuned in to the stock advice that E.F. Hutton had, how much more should we be tuned into the counsel that the Spirit of God has for us? Because the, 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 the foundation of that commercial is that the more you trust and value that brokerage firm, the more you want to hear what they have to say. And the question is, does that carry over to the Spirit of God who lives in us? Because the more we treasure and value his presence in us, the more we want to hear what he has to say to us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So, I want to give a little background to this, and then we're going to get into some specifics here. Jesus gives uh, several places, he gives a warning about this. And I want to go over some of them. The first of one is where he, he's talking about John the Baptist. And he's warning them who this man was, who this man is. And he said, if you can believe it, he's Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. But the prophecy were also that when the Messiah come, there would be a prophet sent before him to declare the way of the Lord. Because the practice in those days was when a king was to pass through a community, they would send heralds ahead of him, like we'll sing in another couple of weeks, number six weeks or so, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, about the king coming. And so they would send heralds ahead of time, blowing trumpets and making announcement that, that this important personage was coming, so the people would come out and they would be prepared to see him and hear what he had to say. So Jesus is saying to them that you need to realize who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is the one that's been prophesied that would come before the Messiah so he would prepare the way so that you would be able to listen and hear what the Messiah says. And then at the end of that section, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. 
And then the most telling one to me is in the book of Revelation. The first thing Jesus has John do is he has him write a letter to seven of the churches in Asia Minor. And in each of these letters, he, he, he has something to say. It's telling them, this is good that you're doing, this I have an issue with you, and these are the things you need to correct. Only one of the churches did he not tell them something to correct. He just encouraged them. And he ends each of these with two things. One, if he who overcomes, and then there's a promise to those who overcome, and then he ends it by saying, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to us. So I just want to quickly read through these, just some summaries of these. To the church at Ephesus, that was the furthest, first one. He said, you're doing everything great, but nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So you need to do this. Remember from where you've fallen, repent, and do the first works. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the church of Smyrna, he warned them of persecution that was come. And he admonished them, be faithful even unto death. That's a good word for today. And I will give you the crown of life. And then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the church of Pergamos, he warned them because they were compromising their faith and giving in to certain pressures. We need to be aware of that too. And so his warning was, repent or else I come to you quickly and will, and, and will fight against those that are compromising with the sword of my mouth. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Thyatira, there was, they warned them about the sexual immorality that was going on. And he ordered them to repent. And he told the faithful to hold fast to what they did have. And then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Sardis, they were, he said, you're spiritually dead. He said, you have a name that's alive, but I see you as dead. And he warned them to strengthen what it was that remained. And then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church at Philadelphia, he said, you've been faithful. And he told them to hold fast and not let anyone take away their crown. And then he ends by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, to the church at Laodicea, the lukewarm church. He says, you think you're so hot. You think you're rich and you're wealthy and you're so well-dressed. He said, but here's how I see you. I see you poor, wretched, naked. And he says, but come and buy from me clothing that's white, white robes. And then he says to them, because you're neither hot nor cold, he told them to be zealous and to repent. And he ends by saying, he who has ears to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is very telling. That means Jesus, each one of these letters was very different and very particular and specific to a church at that time. So that tells us, first of all, the head of the church knows each church personally. He knows what's doing right. He knows what's what's lacking. He knows what's doing wrong. And if we'll listen, he will tell us what we need to do. And the consistent thing he says throughout each of these letters is, okay, I'm the head of the church. This is my report to you. This is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm telling you to do. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. My question today is, 
What is the Spirit saying to Faith Christian Center? Do we have ears to hear what he's been saying? Because he has been speaking to us. He has been speaking through us. And the question is, do we have ears to hear what he's saying? God has made, and and this not only applies to a church, it applies to us individually. This came back to light to me, time for confession, because there are some things I know God was directing me to do. And I would come to the end of a week and I just, well, I didn't have time to do it this week. I, I, I don't see where, it, I'm looking at my schedule for next week and I'm trying to figure out how much time this is going to take. And it had to do with, with talking with somebody, with, with reaching out to somebody. And I, and I said, well, you know, I, I just don't know. And it wasn't like God was speaking. I know he'd spoken to me. And now my mind is saying, well, you know, I, I, was, I didn't get to it last week and then uh, I'm not sure I'm going to have time this week. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, that means you've taken lightly who told you to go do that. It's way down your list of priorities. And then Lafayette's here, and he said almost the same thing God said to him. When he was complaining to God about how busy he was, and he didn't have enough time to get everything done, and God spoke to him and says, there's enough time to do what I've told you to do. Which means he was doing a whole lot of things God hadn't told him to do. It's interesting. Jesus, who says these things, his own testimony was, I only do what I hear my father do, say. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And yet he's the only man that's ever lived on the earth that was a hundred, he was perfectly efficient in what God sent him to do. He's the only one who all of his prayers were always answered. We wonder something, well, how come my prayers aren't being answered? Well, maybe the question is, why were his always answered and ours aren't? Possibly the answer is, he only did what he saw his father do. That means he had all kinds of other things he could have seen to do that looked good and that other people wanted him to do, but he only did what he saw his father do. He only did what the Spirit told him to do. A great example of that is, He's been ministering in this town and friends come and tell him, your good friend Lazarus is, is very sick and he's at the point of death. You, he, they say, you need to come. Ever people tell you that? You, you need to come right now. As pastors, we get that all the time. But you need to come and do this. But what I learned to do is before I did what they told me I needed to do was to check in here and say, what are you telling me I need to do? And Jesus did a very unfeeling, what looked like very unfeeling thing. He waited two more days. And by the time he got there, Lazarus was already dead and he was in the tomb four days. And Mary and Martha, who he loved dearly, his sisters, came crying out, come to him, basically, we don't understand why. You could have saved him from dying. But Jesus only did what he saw his father do. Maybe our lives would not be quite so cluttered. Maybe we would not be quite so tired if we only did the things that he says to do. Because after all, aren't they really the only things that are important? Praise God, Pastor John doesn't get to preach as much anymore. (laughs) Well, let's talk about something good here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So there are blessings that God has for us, but let's see how we receive them. 
as you've heard me, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I is, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love. Stop there a second. You see what that's saying? There are things down in the heart of God that he has for you, for you personally, that you don't see with your natural eyes. And you can't hear. So just because you can't see something and can't hear something doesn't mean God doesn't have it for you. Keep going. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through what? His Spirit. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So there's, there's, there's wonderful things down in God's heart for you that you can't mine out, that you can't see, you can't understand. They're so far beyond what's ever entered into your heart. But the Spirit of God has been given to you because part of his responsibility is to plumb the depths of God's heart for what God has for you and reveal them to you. But the question is, do you have eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you? Keep going. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So the Holy Spirit knows what's in the heart of God because he is the Spirit of God. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the, the, the wonderful deep things that are in the word of God are not going to come to you because you have great intellectual understanding of the Bible. We need to understand. We need to read our Bible. But the revel- you're looking for the revelation. The Holy Spirit, there's a section of scriptures that I know God has something to show me in there, and I have been struggling for a number of years with it, reading through it, reading through it. I will do Bible studies on what these words mean. I will try to analyze it, outline it with my mind, And just a month or so ago, I'm going to do this again because I know there's something in there he wants to show me. And all of a sudden, the Spirit, he's letting me run out. Sometimes he'll just let you do that. You're a hot shot. You go figure this out yourself. And when you've run out, come back and listen. And he said to me, he said, you're trying to understand that like a lawyer and take it apart and analyze it because that's what my mind tends to do. I want to reveal to you what I want to show you. And I had to repent because I was trying to get something out of that scripture and not trusting him to reveal it to me. Next verse. Now we received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Next verse. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And this is our prayer every time one of us is in this pulpit. It's not my understanding, it's not my wisdom, it's not my ideas, it's what is the Spirit going to say to us. Now the other side of this is that mean for every one of us this morning, the Holy Spirit has something to say to us. Some of the most important things I've ever heard was sitting in meetings with somebody I didn't want to listen to. I remember being in Bible study, they had a missionary come from the Philippines. And, I, you know, they had very well-known speakers speaking all the time, and I never heard of this guy. So I was sitting there, and my mind was starting to tune him out. Well, I don't know who he is. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. He says, you're here for what you need to hear he has for you. 
and because I opened my heart to hear what he had to say, because what I was looking for is what does God have to say to me? So occasionally I'll run across people, I just don't like to listen to them. But I'll make myself listen because there's often something God has to show me. If I just, you know, I've told you the story. My mother made me eat lima beans and Brussels sprouts. And I knew I would die if I ate any one of those. I only had to eat one of them. But if I ate it, I was going to die. But what she knew was, I had, one of the important lessons she knew I needed to learn as a child is you can eat things you don't like. You can eat things, and they won't kill you. And in order to really grow and be healthy, you've got to learn to eat things other than candy, ice cream. That's part of what makes us adults and not children is we're able to eat things that our mouth wants, doesn't want to eat and not eat things that our mouth is craving. And that's true of God's word. If you just have your refrigerator plastered with your favorite scriptures, then that's all you're going to see is your things you like to hear. But it's the things you don't like to hear that are the things that are going to challenge you and help you to grow. Next verse. But the natural man, this is the unsaved, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolish to him. So how can he, because they're spiritually discerned? If you try, if you try to explain something the Holy Spirit's shown you to somebody that's not going to say, save, there's no way they're going to get it because it's spiritually discerned and their spirit is dead to God. Okay. The one I wanted to get to is in Philippians chapter 2. This is the one that God messed with me about. Now, go to verse 13. First, we'll go back to 12. One of my favorite scriptures, and this is one I've clung to when I'm struggling with something. But God's at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. Isn't that comforting? We just prayed a time to take something you don't want to surrender and to surrender it. And there were some things years ago I was struggling with because I knew God wanted me to surrender, and I, I just couldn't make myself do it until I discovered from some things I read that God does not expect me to do it in my own strength. I just have to learn to cooperate with him and he'll enable me to let it go. So this is good. God's at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Because the problem's almost always with our will. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Our son in Los Angeles sent a video of our grandson that was here last summer. He's now about 20 years, 20 months old. And there's this girl that they bring over who's about his age, and she's trying to feed him something. He says, no, he turns away. Every time she tries to hand it, she says, no. So he's learning how to say no. So a child learns how to say no, to assert their will. That's what the terrible twos are about. They discover they're an independent person, and they have their independent will, and they like to exercise it. And that's why God gave us certain methods of discipline to inform them that they are not the God of their life. And our children need to learn that just as we need to learn that. God is at work in you both to will, to work and change your will, and to do his good pleasure. That's a comforting scripture to me until the other day God took me back to verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in the absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is that about? Well, it's not talking about going to heaven or not. 
Because salvation is more than going to heaven. It's about God bringing you into the conformity with Christ. So the fear and trembling, now go to verse 13 again, is because of who it is that's at work in you. And what God dealt with me about, the Spirit of God dealt with me about, he says, you do not reverence who it is that's in you, transforming you into the image of Christ. A preacher that came here years ago, and I still don't like to hear this, (laughs) but we need to. He made this statement. He said, you understand that when you make this comment, well, God's dealing with me about something, what you're really saying is you're disobeying and resisting him. I know God's telling me to do it, and I don't want to do it, so God has to keep dealing with me. Why? Because I don't reverence who it is that's telling me to do it. Praise God, Pastor John doesn't get to preach as much. (laughs) Now, Jesus taught us a principle. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, and this is what we're going to get into for the day. This is a famous parable, parable of the sower, but I want to show you why it's so important. On the same day, Jesus went out out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, So he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, and saying, Behold a sower. This is is an agricultural community, so they understand things about planting seeds and weeding and reaping a harvest. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Keep going. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Keep going. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some 100, some 60, and some 30. Oh, here it is again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Stop there a second. Very simple parable. We're all basically familiar with it. Farmer goes out, and, he, and back then when they, threw, when they planted seeds, they just threw it out. And some of the seed fell on the road. So, of course, it's not going to take root. And it just blew away. It, it, nothing, it did not nothing. Some of it fell on very shallow ground. So the principle of this, my mother was a great horticulturist. She knew the Latin names for everything. She could grow anything. She had a green thumb. I have a black thumb. I can kill anything. And so but, but so, but I learned some principles from her. That seed, when it goes in the ground, if it's watered and if, it's, if it gets the, the right conditions, it will begin to send out roots. It will, the shell will break and it will begin to send out roots because that seed contains within it everything necessary to produce what God intended it to produce. So if it's a kernel of corn you plant in the ground, it has the DNA, it has everything that's necessary to produce a stalk of corn. If you take an acorn, it has everything, a little acorn has everything in there that God has put in that, everything that's needed in order to produce a giant oak tree. Think of that. And so that's what a seed is. But a seed, if it doesn't get planted in the right ground and if it's not taken care of, can't do what it's intended to do. So here you have seed, the same seed, it's sown on different grounds. One is on the road. It never takes root. The second is it's, it's sown on shallow ground. It takes root. Well, let's go on. 
Let's go through it. Keep going. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Did you ever wonder that? Why, why are these parables in here? See, that always frustrated me because where I, where I was trained as a lawyer, you go to books and it just tells you what the, it tells you what the law is. It, it tells you what it is. It's not a guessing game. It tells you what it is. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to find, but it's there. What's he doing telling these stories? But notice here, there's, he's speaking to multitudes, and the only ones who come to ask him questions are his disciples. Next verse. He's going to answer them. And he answered and said, because, this, is, we gotta, this is, let me go ahead. Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Stop there a second. Boy, does that sound arrogant. God, he has a special elect few that he lets know his secrets and the rest of you idiots, you've got to fend on your own. But that can't be so. This is, a good exa- this is a good lesson in Bible interpretation. That doesn't fit the character of God. That doesn't fit everything else. About- so there must be something else in this that I don't see right away. So I ask the Holy Spirit, show me what he's really about. Well, he tells us what it's about. Because it's been given to you to know the, king, the mysteries of the kingdom. To them it's not been given. Next verse. For whom him, for whoever has, notice it's whoever. It's not you 12 apostles. It's whoever. Whoever's a marvelous word in the Bible that shifts the responsibility to us. Because whoever means it's up to you if you meet the conditions. So whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, <clears throat> will be taken away from him. What's he talking about there? He who has what? Ears to hear. He who has ears to hear. Obviously, he's not talking about the flaps of skin on the side of your face, head. He's talking about your heart. He who has ears to receive. Because this whole parable is about receiving God's word. Receiving the word, the precious word of God. Receiving what the Spirit's saying. Because it's the same word on any given Sunday. The same word that you hold in your Bible or hold in your, your, your lap or on your electronic device. That same word has the very power to produce in you what it says. It depends on how you receive it in your heart. So Jesus is saying, he who has ears to hear, even what he has will grow and will have more in abundance. And he who doesn't have ears to hear, even what he has heard, he's going to lose. It will fade away. Next verse. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, and hear, nor do they understand. So, so what he's saying is, I tell a parable and those people that don't really care to hear the message will respond and say, wasn't that a nice sermon? Pastor John, he's, he's, he's learned something over these months since he's resigned, retired, so he did a good job today. So praise God, Pastor John did a good job. I'll post something on social media. Then you missed it. It's not about whether I do a good job or Pastor Chris or Pastor Michael do a good job. It's what is the Spirit saying to you? So they said, what a great story he told. 
and they leave with nothing but a good experience because they didn't have ears to hear. They didn't have ears to hear. So what would happen is he'd tell them parables, and those people that wanted to know more would hang around and come up and ask him, what did that mean? What did you mean about that? So when you read something in your Bible, you don't understand. They say, well, I don't understand that. Ask him what it means. 70, 80% of the messages I've ever taught you came out of questions I asked. I don't understand that. Show me what that means. Verse, next verse. And in them, oh, this is good, the prophecy Isaiah was fulfilled. So what's the difference between ears that hear and ears that don't hear? How can I make sure I have ears to hear? If this, <laughs> last summer I was, I was having trouble hearing something, and so I, I went and, and had a hearing test, and, and she said, yeah, there's some wax in your ear, but she wasn't equipped to take it out. So, so I get one of these at-home systems where you squirt something in your ear and you drop something, in your, you know. but I can't tell whether it's out. So I went to a walk-in clinic, and I need you to look in there to see whether I got the wax out because I want to make sure that I'm hearing. So maybe I should have entitled today's message as Get the Wax Out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the prophecy Isaiah fulfilled, which says, Hearing, you will hear, and you won't understand. Seeing, you will see and not perceive. In other words, you'll miss it. Keep going. For, here's why. Because what the the parable is going to teach us, which we won't have time to go through, is that you have the seed, same seed, thrown out, the same potential, thrown out to every soil. The difference is the condition of the soil it landed in. The first landed on a road, there's nothing there, it's just hard. The next landed on soil that was shallow, so it took up root, but the roots could not go down deep. Because the first instinct of a root is to go down deeper to find the moisture, and especially with like an acorn, to hold on. It's called a taproot. But because the the soil was shallow, it couldn't go down very deep, so it spread out like your grass does. Then the next is sown among thorns. So although the soil has depth to it, there are other things that exist in there that compete with the soil, compete with the seed for the nutrition, the weeds, the thorns, the thistles. So although it grows, it doesn't ever become mature and produce the fullness of the, of the harvest. And then there's the soil that has been tilled, it's been, the, the clods have been broken up, and the, it's been weeded, so there's nothing else competing with that seed that goes in there, and it produces 30, 60, and 100-fold. So what determines what is produced in your life through God's word and through the spirit talking to you and ministering to you is the condition of your, your heart. That determines how much you really hear of what the Spirit of God is saying to you. And here's the key. For the hearts of this people grown dull, the ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes, they have closed. So whether my heart's open or not is a choice I made. That's why when I hear somebody I may not like, I make myself listen to them. I choose to exercise my will to make myself do something I don't want to do. By the way, that's good for you. It won't hurt you. That's like eating lima beans and Brussels sprouts. And I love those today. Their eyes, they have closed. Why? Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts, next verse, and should turn or repent, and that I should be able to heal them or bring wholeness to them. This prophecy of Isaiah is quoted eight times in the Bible. In another version of this parable, Jesus tells his disciples, I don't think it's in this one. Keep going. Let's see where it is. What's next? No, keep that, skip that scripture. Go back. Go to the next one. Skip that one. We're just running short of time. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Keep going. For assuredly, assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, but they couldn't see it. Why? Because he hadn't come yet. Or hear what you, and they didn't hear it. Keep going. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. <coughs> Stop there a second. In Mark's account of this, Jesus says, if you can understand this parable, then you'll be able to get everything else that I say to you. But if you don't get the message of this parable, you will not be able to get everything else that I'm saying to you. So this is the most important of all the parables that Jesus teaches because he's teaching us how to receive. He's teaching us how to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us personally and individually. So let's go through it. We've got time. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what he's sown in his heart and he is he who has received the seed by the wayside. In other words, it was he who came in here and fell asleep and didn't hear anything. But he who received the seed on stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. In other words, when pressure comes. When pressure comes. So we open our Bible, we listen to a teaching, we come here, or we watch online, and we hear this message that inspires us about some, some need that we have. Maybe it's that God will help you with your finances and he'll provide what you need in these difficult times. Maybe it has to do with the healing of your body. We hear these things, we hear, and, and, and it gets in. And we get inspired. And we know we received it. And we walk out there and our tire's flat. Oh, but on the way out there, somebody says something that offends me. I get out there and my tire's flat. Nobody came to help me. I had to call AAA. They, they're late, so I'm missing, I'm missing the roast is burning at home. And I get home, and my family's mad at me because I'm late coming home. And, you know, and they get up the next morning, and the, and the washing machine doesn't work. Okay? Ever, ever had weeks like that or days like that? It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. Why do you think those things came? They came to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Paul warns us in several places, don't be ignorant of his devices. He warned the whole church at Ephesus. There's going to come somebody, a, a messenger is going to come to try to steal what I have sown into you. In fact, he says Satan can even appear as an angel of light. He's even on the internet. And I don't just mean pornography and bad stuff. He's even on the internet in spiritual guise. Not everything that looks spiritual on the internet is of the Spirit of God. 
This is why you have to be part of a local church. You have to be sitting underneath somebody God has appointed over your life to speak into your life. And nowadays it's so easy because, I mean, well, he said this, and then they said this, and then they said this. Ever, ever get confused by all the stuff that's out there? Why do you think it's out there? It's to confuse you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, there are many voices out there, and all of them, none of them that have no significance. In other words, they all have some significance. It's just not all God's significance. Paul warns Timothy, and later in the end times, which we may well be in, many, that's one of the most eye-opening things in the Bible, many will be led astray by fables, by teachings that are not the Spirit of God. How do you know whether it's a fable or not? Well, first of all, you've got to know what God's voice is like. You've got to know the voice of his spirit in you because it just won't witness if it's not God's spirit. But then if you doubt, you've got men here and women in this church that are mature that can help you. Don't discern things on your own. I don't. And I've been walking with the Lord 45 years. So who receives the word... See the monk thorns. He hears the word and the cares of this world. The cares of this world. The cares of this world. And he's not saying they're not legitimate cares. But what are they, what, what are they sapping from you? Are they sapping your energy? Are they sapping your faith? Because the cares of the world will not build you up in your faith. They're not going to tell you how much God loves you. They're not going to tell you that God will provide for you. They will not tell you that God will heal you. They will not tell you that you have a hope and a future beyond this world. They will draw your attention. They will sap your energy. And they will drain your faith. And that's their purpose. They're not just casual things out there and part of life. In many cases, they have demonic sources behind them. Because Satan is threatened by one thing, and that's the word of God sown in your heart. And if he can't get it, stop you from receiving it, if he can't stop it from taking root in you, he will sow into your heart other things that can make that word unfruitful in your life. This is why one of the most important scriptures to me in my life is Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. This is God speaking. This is God speaking to us. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow all the forces of life, good or bad. Faith and love and all the fruit of the Spirit, but also fear, destruction, bitterness. All of those spiritual forces flow out of your heart and there's two beings sowing in there to try to decide which one's going to win, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of this world. And you choose who wins in your life. That's why Jesus said, take care. He said, take care what you hear and take care how you hear. And again, in this day and age when there's so much stuff out there and you don't need parents, we don't have people to discern for us and with just a tap of the finger, all kinds of stuff is available And I'm not talking about evil stuff like pornography. I'm talking about spiritual-looking stuff. 
I heard Robert Morris say, and we've had him speak by video before on the blessed life, and I've heard him say, he said, in this day and age, I would, seek, I would stay as close under my spiritual authority as I can possibly get because it's a covering and a protection. We don't like to hear about authority. Oh, God has authority in my life, but no, no, no person's going to have authority over me. Well, then God doesn't have authority over you because our God's ordained certain individuals and in a church, it's the pastor. Does that mean they're perfect? No. But authority is a highly thing, big thing with God. How we respond to authority. That's exactly what Philippians is talking about. That's what God was dealing with me about. He said, you work, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For as God is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. There's two different words, work there. Where it says, God is at work in you to will and to do your pleasure. That's the word energeia, which means he provides the strength and the ability to change your will so your will lines up with his. But the part where it says God is at work in you is a different Greek word, which means it has the ability to bring it to fruition. So what he's saying there is if we will submit to God and if we'll reverence who it is that's working in us, then we're going to allow him to do this work in us. The writer of Hebrews says it differently in Hebrews 12. He says, because you are sons, God, because God loves you, he will correct you and discipline you to produce in you the peaceable fruit of righteousness. If, verse 7 says, if you allow him to treat you as a son and discipline you. If you allow him. So what the Spirit of God was telling me, he says, you're not letting me do in you what I want because you've consider it so unimportant that you've filled your schedule with other things than what I told you to do. That's the fear and trembling. It's not afraid of God. It's a reverence for who it is. So when God says to us, guard your heart with all diligence, if I reverence who it is that's speaking, that's going to become top priority to me. And it is. I caught myself on the way in here having some attitudes. Not about you. I found myself during worship having an attitude. And I, as I caught the thought, I dealt with it as soon as I caught it so it doesn't get into my heart. But on the other hand, I intentionally take certain verses, scriptures, and I meditate on them. I speak them out loud to myself. When, I, when I'm driving in the car, if I wake up in the middle of the night, there are certain things I always do in the shower. I recite certain scriptures to my. I don't recite them. I talk to myself them. I talk them to myself. That's what meditation is. It's the difference between when you leave here and you go to your favorite restaurant or you go home and you smell the beautiful aroma, hopefully, not burnt, and your taste buds get going. That's what church is. It whets your appetite. Your taste buds get going. Your mouth starts salivating. I'm going to lose you in a minute. And, 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 and then you go, and it's as if you tasted the food. Oh, is this so good? And then you spit it out. You chew it, but you spit it out. It doesn't do you any good. Oh, you had a good experience. But it only does your body good if you get it inside of you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. And most of us don't have the word abiding in us. I did a whole teaching on this Wednesday night. We have the word in our mind. We think about it. We read it. We talk about it. But we haven't taken the time and the diligence 
to get it down in our heart. And the only way you do that is meditate on it. And I wouldn't take five scriptures. I would take one, whatever God's dealing with you about, and begin to just talk, talk out loud to him about it. Meditate on it. Take seriously who it is that lives in you and who is talking to you. He who has ears to hear. And Mark adds in his account of this parable, there's another thing. It's cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. How does that rob? Because that deceitfulness of riches, the Bible never tells us that money's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Because the love of it's in your heart. It's what place does money have in your heart? Is it your source? So when the stock market's going down or your your, your 401k is going down or, or what you've banked your security on is going down, you start panicking, then that's your source. Or is God your source? But see, if God's your source, that means he has first access to it. If God's your source, that means, first of all, you'll tithe. Oh, now you won't want me back. I know that. <laughs> you'll tithe because God has said, that's honoring me. That's putting me first with the first tenth of what I have. By the way, it all came from him. So people say, well, in the old, we don't have it in the Old Testament. That's right. In the, old, in the Old Testament, the first tenth was his. In the New Testament, it's all his. Because we just, oh, what did we sing earlier today? I give you all. I give myself away. By the way, that includes your wallet. Yes, Pastor John, this is good preaching. You just keep it up. This is my shot at you, so. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, all of this about letting things in your heart that are more important to you than God's voice, the Spirit of God. He was ears to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit's saying. But we can't hear if our mind's cluttered with, what am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to make it? You know, the inflation's going up. What am I going to do about this? I don't know. They're laying off people at work. What are they going to do about this? Oh, the COVID's coming back. What are we going to do about this? All those things rolling around in your mind, and then we talk it out. We're sowing seeds into our heart of fear. And out of your heart flow the issues of life. The deceitfulness of riches. And in Mark's version, he adds on top of it, and the lust for other things. What is it you just can't do without? The issue is this, is what else, what, what, things aren't bad. Nice cars aren't bad, but what's in your heart? What place in your heart do those things have? Because they'll interfere with your being able to hear what the Spirit's saying. I close with this again. what we started with. Jesus talking to the Apostle John, the last living of the Apostles, of the Lamb, of the, of the Twelve. Probably in his 80s or 90s, they figure. Near the end of that first century. He's on the Isle of Patmon. He's been, he's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He's that dangerous. And yet God appears to him through Christ to show him things are going to come. Not to scare us, but to encourage us. But before he gets into those things, he says, there's something I want to say to those seven churches 
in Asia Minor. I know you. He says, I know your deeds. I know you've done this well, and I know you've allowed these things to go on. I know these things about the church, which means he also, because we're the church, he knows these things about us. I know you've done well with this. And he has an individual message for each individual church. And I believe he has an individual message, I know he does, for each one of us personally. It's not to scare us, but he has, he's coming, and he wants us ready. But more than that, there are others out there. You know, we're so tempted to say, well, Jesus is coming back soon, I can't wait for him to come. I can. i still got family members that aren't in the kingdom. There's still neighbors that aren't in the kingdom or people that you have an influence of that aren't in the kingdom. It's really selfish to say, I can't wait to get out of here. I can. But I can only do it by learning how to listen to what the Spirit of God says to me. The Spirit of God is speaking to Faith Christian Center. He has been. He has more to say. But do we have ears to hear? Are we willing to hear what he has to say to us? Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the precious Holy Spirit. We've not always, and maybe seldom, truly valued and treasured who it is that you've caused to live within us. And therefore, we don't take seriously the things that he says, and so we're not listening for him to speak. Instead, he sometimes has to bump us into something to get our attention. So, Father, help us today. Your word says you're at work in us, both to will and to do your good pleasure. Help us today to recognize how open we are to really hear what he wants to say to us. We thank you that he's gentle and he's loving and he will help us. But we need to repent and face where we are and indicate we are willing to listen and to hear. Forgive us for how the times we've not taken seriously what you've said to us through the Spirit. Forgive us for the hardness of our heart where it's been hardened. Forgive us for where we've let other cares into our life, other things into our heart that have competed with the place that you deserve above all and help us to come to that place where our hearts are truly open. There's good ground for your seed, your word to be sown into it. And for this grace, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning. And this really hasn't meant much to you because, or maybe you've enjoyed it. But you've never, you've never given your life to Christ. We sang about that earlier. You've never invited him into your life to receive him as your savior. Maybe you've been raised in church like I was. You've been raised in church, you believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that's wonderful, that's good, but that's not enough. Believing with your mind is not good enough. It's receiving him in your heart. He is a gift that God, the creator of the universe, has offered to you. It's the gift of his son. And the gift is 2,000 years ago. He came to this earth, was, lived a sinless life, and then was nailed onto a tree. And on that cross, God took every sin of yours and every sin of mine, put it on his son on that cross, and then he judged that sin on his son. And his son died with that sin, your sin and my sin, attributed to him. But the good news is when he was raised from the dead, 
that sin was paid for. So God has paid for your sins. So the only sin that's remaining that keeps you from heaven is whether you've received that gift of his son into your life. And that's simply an act of your will. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, we want to help you. If you just raise your hand, we want to pray for you. In the balcony, in the back of this room, if you're watching online, Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And then if you're here and that's you, we have somebody over here. We'll have some people over here that will pray with you. And if you want to come and see me, I'll be happy to pray with you. If you're online, then just call our office tomorrow morning, 508-336-4110. Someone will be there to pray with you. So, Father, we just come to you right now, and we ask you to help those that have never received Christ to recognize the position that they're in open their hearts, help them to open their hearts to receive this wonderful gift of Christ that they may leave free from the guilt of sin and with a confident hope that you have a future and a hope for them, not just in this life, but in the life that is to come. And for these things we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's stand. Priscilla, you guys did a great job today. Let's close with some worship. Hi, I'm Pastor Mike Sandell here at Faith Christian Center. I'm so glad that you're able to join us this morning. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed the message as well because it's a very powerful and challenging message from Pastor John Pfeffer. One of the things about uh, having ears to hear, which is the title of this message, is that God wants to speak to us. Imagine God, a holy God, wants to speak to you and I. God wants to speak to every one of us every day of our lives. He wants to get personal with you and I. And that's the wonderful thing. The question is, are we willing to hear and do what he says? Are you hearing his voice? And one of the things that Pastor John mentioned is that God speaks to us by his spirit as well as through his word. One of the problems that we have is that we're under a different frequency as God. You see, the frequency that we're on There's a lot of noise, there's a lot of distractions, and a lot of voices that are getting in the way. But when we're in God's frequency, we're able to hear His voice and know what He has to say. God wants to speak to us. And I'm so thankful that God wants to take the time to do that for us because He wants to give us godly counsel and and, and direction and guidance in our lives so that our lives can be successful. And that's the wonderful thing about God and, and just being able to hear His voice. Again, so glad that you're able to hear our our service this morning. And uh, tune in next time, next Sunday at 9.30. Better still, come on and join our experience with us because we love to have you right here at Faith Christian Center. Once again, I'm Pastor Mike Sandell. And uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 508-336-4110. Or you can just email us at faithccenter.com. Once again, we're looking forward to seeing you and hearing from you. And uh, we want to have a wonderful and blessed day. And again, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday.